Ace didn't feel a thing. She'd lost consciousness by the time she hit the ground at the bottom of the crater. That was probably a blessing, because it meant she couldn't feel the pain in her arms and legs as they buckled underneath her. Nor could she feel the chunks of rock and dirt as they landed beside her, and earth rained like heavy confetti onto her body. Some distance away, the doctor was yelling as he scrambled into the crater where the missile had hit. He tried to peer through the smoke and dust, hoping to see where Ace was. He knew she was lying in the crater somewhere, but he thought that she must surely be dead. Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips Dead Woman Walking by Roland Moore Read by Sophie Aldred As the dust settled the doctor saw Ace in the rubble. Ace! Ace! Are you all right? He shouted as he ran to her side. If Ace had been conscious, she'd have noticed that the doctor's voice sounded worried. For someone who seemed happy to sometimes manipulate her and play with her emotions, she would have detected a moment of genuine concern. No more games. Things had got serious. The doctor tried to rouse her gently. Ace, come on, Ace. There was a sorrow in his voice, as if he feared he'd lost a friend, as if he knew already what that pain felt like from other lives gone by. The civil war on Gathrossa had been raging for decades. The uniforms of both sides were long since ripped and covered with the dust of battle, making both sides almost indistinguishable. When they'd arrived, the doctor had had a plan. Oh yes, for good or for worse, he always had a plan. He had said to Ace that she'd like Gathrossa. Is it that theme park world you were on about, Professor? Ace had replied. The doctor had said no. The optimism in Ace's eyes had faded quicker than a light bulb blowing a filament. As long as it's not dangerous, I could do without anyone trying to knock my block off for a while, she'd said. The doctor reassured her that it was a world of art and culture. That sounds all right for a bit of a breather, Ace had considered. Unfortunately, it is in the grip of a rather nasty civil war, the doctor finished. Ace's heart had sunk. So why are we here? she had said. The doctor said he thought they had a good chance of bringing peace to this world. He started to leave. Reluctantly, Ace followed him out of the TARDIS. She consoled herself that at least she knew some of his plan this time. She had no idea how he intended to bring peace to this Gathrossa place, but at least she knew that was the goal. Ace assumed that the Doctor would use negotiating skills and diplomacy. But the Doctor had other ideas. He wanted to blow something up. Ace liked that idea. She learnt that one side of the Civil War were planning to deploy a weapon, a psychic resonator weapon, created in a secret laboratory. 
the weapon could be used to influence the opposing army's thoughts. The doctor knew that if they unleashed this weapon, then there might be a dreadful cost to life. So, you want me to blow up the lab with Nitro-9? Ace asked. The doctor nodded. Ace liked that kind of diplomacy. She'd forgotten her need for a breather away from danger and enthusiastically followed the doctor. He'd waited until the scientists left and then he'd found a service lift that led to near the laboratory. Usually it would have been security locked, but the recent bombardment had disabled the electronics. The doctor and Ace travelled down in the lift as he told her what to look for and where to place the charges. With the doctor keeping watch, Ace sneaked into the empty laboratory. She took two canisters out of her rucksack. She primed the charges and then she and the doctor ran for their lives. Unfortunately, that's when the doctor accidentally activated a motion detector with the end of his umbrella. A klaxon sounded and Ace knew they had to get out of there. In the crater, Ace was lying limply in the doctor's arms. The back of her neck felt wet, and at first the doctor assumed it was moisture from the exposed soil in the crater. The blast had ripped deep into the water table of the planet, and the hole was slowly filling with water. But as he took his hand away, he realised in horror that it wasn't water on the back of Ace's neck. With the way to the lift blocked by the security guards emerging from within the complex, the Doctor and Ace had run back through the laboratory. Soon they found a metal staircase that looked like it led to the surface. They climbed as fast as they could, not worrying about the cacophony of noise their feet were making on the metal rungs. It was too late for stealth. Eventually, they reached the top, aware of the sound of their pursuers' footsteps clattering below. The doctor pushed at a metal hatch and it took all his and Ace's strength to shift it open. They scurried out, just as they heard a muffled explosion underground. The Nitro-9 had done its work. There was little time for celebration as the sounds of missiles and gunfire echoed around the streets. The doctor said that they should get to the TARDIS and escape. He'd estimated that the psychic resonator had taken years to devise and build... It would take them years to recreate it. In that time, the Doctor hoped that he could return with a more solid plan to ensure peace on Gathrossa. For now, their work here was done. But as they ran along an open concourse, a missile exploded nearby, making a huge crater in the ground. Another smaller missile exploded behind them, knocking Ace off her feet. She tumbled like a rag doll into the crater from the first missile. And that's how Ace ended up being held by the doctor and how his hands felt the wetness on her neck. It wasn't blood. It was a heavy, sticky, purple-coloured fluid. The doctor produced a handkerchief and wiped the goo from his hand. He already knew what it was. And it wasn't good. What? Where am I? 
The words made the doctor startle. Ace had regained consciousness. She looked questioningly at him, but then her eyes regained focus and he assumed she was remembering what had happened. The doctor said that she seemed okay, just a little bruised, but Ace could see that he was trying to look at something, something on her neck. Instinctively, she put her hand to the back of her neck. Purple ooze dripped along her fingers. Professor! There was a sudden note of fear in her voice. What the hell is that? And she turned slowly, unable to see it herself. The doctor saw it clearly for the first time. At the top of Ace's neck, a writhing, segmented tail, about five millimetres thick and twelve centimetres long, was embedded into her skin. Ace's breathing was heavy, her eyes wide with panic. The doctor told her to stay calm, but he didn't look calm himself, so it didn't help. Instead, Ace struggled to focus on her breathing, attempting to calm herself. She told herself that she would be fine. She would be fine. The doctor tried to rationalise what had happened, probably as a way of calming himself as much as Ace. He said it was fascinating and that it must have been buried deep in the soil for years, probably lying dormant until a warm-blooded creature came close enough to activate it and then... Ace didn't want a science lesson. What? What is happening? Ah, yes, the good news is I know what it is, the doctor said. That sounds like there'll be some bad news as well, Ace countered. And there was. The doctor spoke, his tone urgent, his eyes scanning her face to check that the facts were going in. He told her it was a Golobian trigger worm. He said that the Golobian trigger worm was a parasitic organism that travelled through space. It was usually found with another organism, the Golobian companion worm, and... But Ace was having trouble taking any of this in. Trigger worms? Companion worms? What was he on about? She didn't often look scared, taking most things, even fantastical things, in her stride. But she looked deeply uneasy about all this talk of parasitic worms. Taking action, she grasped the tail of the Golobian trigger worm and gave it a hefty tug. It stretched like an incredibly strong rubber band, holding fast with its head buried deep in her neck, just below her hairline. Wincing in pain and giving up, she released the tail and wiped her hand on her jeans to clean off the purple goo. The doctor told her not to pull it again. If the Golobian trigger worm is killed after it embeds, then the consequences can be catastrophic. Ace tried to get things straight in her head. She took a couple of deep breaths and asked what the companion worm was, and did she have that one as well? Did she have two parasites? The doctor shook his head. Just the trigger one. He pointed to the bottom of the crater. He thought the Golobian companion worm was probably miles beneath their feet. The doctor said when it arrived from space, perhaps centuries ago, the companion worm buried itself deep into the planet, where it has been busy multiplying, making billions and billions of new trigger and companion worms. If the Golobian trigger worm dies, it severs the psychic link to the companion and all those billions of parasites will explode out into space, bursting the planet open like a rotten apple. 
each pair of trigger and companion organisms would then try to find a new planet on which to repeat the process. So, I can't kill this thing, Ace surmised. No, said the doctor. As Ace tried to take this in, she became aware of several helmeted figures dressed in black. They were pointing rifles into the crater at her and the doctor. It was the security attachment from the laboratory. They had caught up with them. Execute them, the leader said. The doctor put his hands up in hasty surrender and said that it would be a very bad idea to kill them, especially Ace. The leader didn't seem to care. A man numbed by war, he instructed his men to proceed. They raised their rifles. Show them your neck, Ace! the doctor shouted, desperation telling in his voice. Ace complied and turned away from the armed men so they could see. The security team hesitated as they saw the segmented tail thrashing around. The leader looked disgusted, which didn't make Ace feel any better about what was happening. The doctor told them that, long story short, if Ace dies, then their planet will die. The leader looked confused. The doctor hastily explained what he'd told Ace about the worms. When he'd finished, he remarked that it was a clever, if somewhat revolting, life cycle. The bottom line, he said, was that Ace must not die. Otherwise the worm would die and their planet would be destroyed. He hoped they understood. The security team looked at each other. Ace wondered if they believed this crazy story. After a long moment in which Ace thought things might go either way, the security leader ordered his men to lower their weapons. He said that they would take these two strangers to see Tovar, the head scientist and leader of one of the factions. He'd know what to make of that thing in the woman's neck and their ludicrous story. The guards helped the Doctor and Ace out of the crater. As they were led at gunpoint by the security attachment, the Doctor warned Ace that this Tovar, the head scientist, wouldn't be pleased to see them. After the whole Nitro 9 business? Ace asked. The doctor nodded. He thought that they should make a run for it and try to get to safety so he could think about what to do. About getting this thing off me? Ace said. Possibly, the doctor said. Possibly? Ace spat. What do you mean possibly? I don't want to keep some alien rat tail. The doctor looked like he was going to say something, but then obviously thought better of it. They allowed themselves to be escorted a bit further, passing the smashed shells of buildings that had once been homes, and they reached a low concrete bridge. The side of the bridge had been blown apart to reveal the veins of metal supports underneath. As the doctor moved forward, he signalled to Ace with a small nod of his head. The doctor jumped to one side and Ace jumped to the other, vaulting over the sides of the bridge. They traversed the stream and plunged themselves into the undergrowth on the other side. Behind them, they could hear the security team splashing into the water as they gave chase. The Doctor and Ace ran across a wrecked road and found themselves in a deserted shopping centre. The TARDIS was about a few hundred metres away, tucked inside a walkway near a block of empty flats. Ace felt uncomfortable walking quickly because she could feel the tail swishing around her neck, a wet, cold tendril that made her skin crawl. She wondered if it would be better to hold it in place, but then decided she didn't even want to touch it. She gritted her teeth and tried to ignore it. 
Glancing back, she noticed that the doctor was lagging behind. Come on, Professor, she shouted. I don't know if the TARDIS is where we should be going, he replied. Of course it is, Ace said. Her head was so full of thoughts of escape that she didn't think to ask the doctor why, but she thought she knew the reason. We'll have to come back so you can make them stop fighting. He didn't reply. She had reached a clearing between two blocks of flats. She pointed to across the concrete expanse, where in the distance a police box stood incongruously. Ace felt a wave of relief. Soon they would be inside, and the doctor would work out how to get rid of this worm thing. They crossed the forecourt between the flats. Once it had been a playground, but the rides were now blackened and twisted, the metal frames like broken fingers reaching up to the sky. Ace was about to comment on the playground to the doctor when a bullet zipped past her face, missing her by millimetres. The doctor yelled for Ace to take cover and he pulled her back behind the remains of the roundabout. He assumed the sniper must be on the opposing side to Tovar's men as he hoped that his explanation to them about the importance of keeping the worm alive had hit home. The importance of keeping the worm alive? Ace exploded. What about me? What do you think I'm doing, Ace? The doctor bristled. They noticed a black-garbed figure moving stealthily between the playground detritus. The sniper was coming towards them. Ace wondered if they could make it further away, but there was too much open ground to cover before they reached the next hiding place. And the TARDIS was even further away. The sniper edged closer. They were running out of options. The doctor said he had no wish to die in a street in a hail of gunfire, so he had no other option but to tell this soldier the story of the worm and hope it worked like it did with Tovar's men. The doctor got up, but before he could open his mouth, the sniper shot his hat off. Ace pulled the doctor down. They could see the sniper rounding towards them, closer and closer. We can't bargain with this one, Professor, Ace said. She unhooked her rucksack, but realised that she was out of Nitro 9. The sniper had reached the other side of the roundabout. He moved forward and then stood up. Ace realised that he had a clear shot at her and she tried to edge away. The doctor got in front of her, blocking the shot. No, if you shoot anyone, shoot me. But you must listen to what I've got to say. For a second, Ace thought the doctor had been hit. But it was the sniper who had been shot, his body slumping back against the slide. Ace realised that the soldiers from the security attachment were flanked round the perimeter of the playground. Tovar's men had saved them. And there, in the middle of the group, was a man dressed differently from the others. He wore a black leather suit with silver details down the arms. Tovar. Ace didn't wait for Tovar and his men to reach them. She got up from behind the roundabout and raced, full pelt towards the TARDIS, it was probably one of the fastest sprints of her life, and she knew she was ahead of the Doctor. But when she reached the door of the TARDIS, she looked behind her and was surprised to see that the Doctor hadn't attempted to move. He was looking at her, a deep sadness in his eyes. Professor? Ace said. What was he playing at? They could have been inside by now. Safe. Escaping. I'm sorry but you can't ever leave this planet, the doctor said somberly. 
Ace was confused. What was he talking about? The doctor explained that leaving would sever the psychic link between the trigger and the companion, resulting in the destruction of Gathrosa. Well, at least let's get in the TARDIS so you can remove it, Ace pleaded. She could see Tovar and his men watching this exchange, content to wait to see what would happen before playing their hand. The doctor shook his head. He pointed out that, as she knew, the TARDIS was bigger on the inside. Ace snapped. Of course I know that! So what? The doctor said that it was because the inside of the TARDIS was in a different dimension than the outside, so going inside would be the equivalent of going a long, long way away from Gathrosa, and that would sever the psychic link. So, I'm trapped here, big time, Ace said, hoping that the Doctor would come up with some clever plan to save her. He always did that, didn't he? No matter how devious he was being, he'd always save the day in the end. But this time, the doctor just nodded sadly. I'm sorry, he said. Tovar had brought Ace and the doctor to one of the few hospitals that were still functional on Gathrosa, and Ace underwent a body scan on some sort of MRI-type machine. She looked apprehensive as she watched the doctor and Tovar studying the results. On the monitor, in cross-section, Ace could see the head of the parasitic worm embedded at the base of her skull. Four black filaments snaked out from the head of the parasite, looping around parts of her brain, like bindweed roots in soil. The doctor pointed out that the filaments amplified the psychic signal from the worm by using the mental energy from Ace's own brain. Tovar wondered what they could do. The doctor didn't seem to have the answer. He said that although he knew about the life cycle of the Galobian worms, he didn't have any previous experience in dealing with them. As Ace rested her eyes, lying on her side to avoid leaning back on the slimy, segmented worm, Tovar and the Doctor talked. The Doctor urged him to make contact with the other side in their civil war, to explain what had happened and how Ace's life was linked to the fate of Gathrosa. By morning, the Doctor came over and gently roused Ace from her fitful sleep. He had the same sad look on his face as when he'd broken the news about not being able to go into the TARDIS. He explained that he was going to find a man called Kendall, one of the best parasitologists in the universe. Kendall would know what to do. Ace thought this sounded like a good thing to do, but the doctor pointed out that he would have to leave in the TARDIS on his own. He promised that he would return. He would come back, and he would save her. Ace was uneasy about being left, but realised she had no choice in the matter. Tovar's men escorted the Doctor to the TARDIS. Ace wasn't allowed to go. The Doctor explained that she must stay safe and alive until he returned, and the hospital was safer than the streets. He wished her luck. Ace wished him luck. The Doctor said goodbye. 
As the days passed, Ace became familiar with the layout of the hospital. Tovar and his men would guard her, night and day. The nurses and doctors would periodically come to have a look at her in the parasite, marvelling at its survival instinct. She became uneasy with effectively being a prisoner and wished that she could come and go as she pleased. But the war raging outside meant that it was impossible. After two weeks, the TARDIS had not returned. Ace wondered if the Doctor had been hurt on another world, or maybe he had been captured by an old enemy. But a nagging feeling made her wonder if he had any intention of returning. Could he have abandoned her? Whatever the reason, Ace was giving up hope of seeing the Doctor again. The next time Tovar visited, he told her that he had managed to make contact with the other side in the Civil War. There would be no more fighting until they could sort out the situation with Ace. Ace told him that it would be even better if they could stop the war forever. Then at least some good would come of this parasite. Tovar arranged for the other leader, Atlas, to come to the hospital. Ace spoke to them and the discussions went on for some time. At first, both sides were suspicious and entrenched in their positions, but because of who she was, they listened to Ace, the girl who held the fate of Gathrosa in her hands. Her argument for peace hinged on the fact that neither side wanted to accidentally kill her in the crossfire, did they? Eventually, Atlas and Tovar agreed to a ceasefire. Ace was really proud of what she had achieved, she thought the Doctor would be proud too, wherever he was. Atlas managed to start radio broadcasts again from the Gathrosson network. She encouraged Ace to give daily updates about how she felt and about the importance of unity. Ace found it difficult to find things to say each day, but the Gathrossans seemed to love hearing her. She would tell them about Perivale, about her friends, about her travels with the Doctor, about Daleks and the Candyman. Ace noticed that many of the Gathrossans seemed to treat her with real reverence. A growing proportion of them started to wear prosthetic tails on the back of their necks, like the hair braids sold at festivals. Ace assumed it was a tribute to her. For their part, the Gathrossans knew that they had to look after Ace. This young woman was the most important person on their planet. She must not die. Ace waited and waited. Sometimes she would imagine she could hear the TARDIS materialising and she would rush into a room at the hospital expecting to see the doctor. After nearly four weeks, Ace was walking with Atlas, discussing how the Gathrossans planned to rebuild their cities, when an excited messenger ran up to her. The messenger had a prosthetic tail on his neck. He told her that the man in the blue box had returned. Her heart racing, Ace ran across the ruined shopping mall towards where the messenger had pointed. She rounded a corner and could see the TARDIS in the distance, parked where it had been before. The Doctor emerged, and as Ace approached, Wicked! You came back, Professor! Ace shouted. But as she got closer, she could immediately see that something was wrong. 
His eyes showed defeat, his face etched with the same anxious expression that he'd shown when he found her in the crater. I'm really so sorry, the doctor said. What do you mean? Ace said, fighting to control the panic that was rising inside of her. The doctor can't have failed. He always won in the end, didn't he? But no. He shook his head. He told her that he had been to so many places, spoken to so many experts, Kendall, other scientists, but no one knew how to get rid of the Golobian trigger worm without severing the psychic link. Ace didn't have the words to reply. She felt crushed. All the hopes she'd been bottling up for the last few weeks had been dashed. She was doomed to stay on Gathrosa for the rest of her life. And Gathrosa was doomed to die when she did. Later that day, Ace made a radio broadcast. The doctor appeared with her and said how proud he was about what she had done. He saw the adulation that the Gathrossans felt for the young girl from Perivale. She told them that the doctor hadn't found a solution for destroying the parasite. She was sorry. That evening, the Gathrossans chanted prayers, millions of them. They were in mourning. The grief was almost palpable, hanging in the air like a thick fog. The doctor and Ace walked the ruined streets, hearing the chants as they passed apartments and houses. She was doomed to stay here, worship like some queen until the day she died. The doctor nodded. He said he would stay with her if she wanted. It was the least he could do. But Ace thought it would be easier for her if he left. I don't want you cramping my style when I'm doing my queening, Professor, she said, putting on a brave front. But the doctor didn't really respond. He was lost in thought. As they reached the shopping centre, hundreds of Gathrossans flanked the walkways of the ruined shops. All of the people were chanting. Ace marvelled at how they all managed to say the words exactly in time. The doctor nodded, his attention elsewhere. It's like they're one person, thinking the same thought, Ace said. The doctor looked at her, an idea forming in his mind. Imagine! If we could harness that power. He explained that all the Gathrossans were thinking about praying for Ace, but what if they all thought something else? They could think about killing my rat tail, Ace said. Not the rat tail, but something else, the doctor said. The things inside their planet, Ace said, filling in the gaps. The doctor nodded, triumphantly. And then... Ace remembered the psychic resonator that they had destroyed. What if they had another weapon like that, she said. We could use it to send all their thoughts, couldn't we? The doctor agreed. He didn't think they had another one, but he hoped he could repair it. And then it would be a simple matter of using the radio broadcast equipment to capture the thoughts and send them to the resonator. The plan made Ace feel giddy. At last, there was a glimmer of hope. The doctor tailed off, continuing thoughts and calculations in his head. He ran to Tovar's laboratory, Ace following. She helped him as the doctor and Tovar worked all night. In two days, it was finished. 
The doctor hooked the psychic resonator weapon to the radio broadcast equipment that he had modified to collect signals rather than just transmit them. Ace made a broadcast. She announced that the doctor had a plan. After the count of five, everyone must think about the worms inside the planet. Everyone must think of them and wish that they would perish. The doctor looked tense. Five, said Ace into the microphone, counting down. The doctor hoped that none of the Gathrossans would think of killing the worm in Ace's neck. Four. That would be catastrophic. Three. They had to think of the worms inside their planet. Two. The worms in the apple. One said Ace, looking anxiously at the Doctor. And all over the planet, people closed their eyes and imagined the worms inside their world. The old, the young, the injured. Everyone on Gathrossa concentrated, their eyes tightly shut, their minds filled with one thought. Kill the worms in the planet. The psychic resonator began to glow, its dial starting to edge away from zero. The doctor had his eyes shut too, concentrating fiercely on the same thought. And when the dial on the machine hit the top reading, Ace felt the trigger worm in her neck move. She winced in agony as it thrashed its body around. But then she felt a release as the pain stopped and the thing fell from her neck. Gasping, Ace fell to the floor, staring at the worm. The doctor said that the companion worms must have died first. Then, as the trigger worm had no psychic link to latch onto, it too died. Ace struggled to hear the words as she gasped to regain her breath, relieved beyond belief. Alone with the doctor in the TARDIS, Ace watched him, as he stowed the psychic resonator. He'd insisted on taking it with him to ensure that neither Atlas nor Tovar was ever tempted to use it for their own ends. He seemed to think that this tidied up all the loose ends. But Ace had some unfinished business. Why didn't you come back sooner? she asked. The doctor dismissed it. I told you, I was trying to find a solution out there. But this is a time machine. You could still have done all that and come back a few hours after you'd left. You were gone weeks and weeks, Ace said. An uneasy feeling crept over her. Did you hope I might work out what to do on my own? Possibly, the doctor admitted. What? Ace could hardly believe it. All right, yes, the doctor said. Ace was furious. You played games at a time like that? You thought you'd test me? I can't believe you! But you managed to find a way of making peace. You did that. You'd have found an answer. You can do anything, Ace. Ace shook her head. She wasn't in the mood to listen to compliments. She was still struggling to take in the doctor's admission. Was there no situation he wouldn't use to test or manipulate her? The doctor looked contrite shamed. He apologised and admitted he might have overstepped the mark this time. Ace wasn't going to let him off the hook that easily. 
She demanded that there would be no more games, no more manipulating her. She wanted him to be upfront about everything from now on. The doctor nodded quickly and flashed what looked like a genuine smile. Of course I will, the doctor said. Of course. (laughs) 